Welcome everybody to this month's GPS training podcast. It's our 13th episode. So today on the podcast I have myself and Andy. Hello. And welcome Andy, I hope you're keeping well. Good, thank you. As always, we're streaming it live on Facebook, so if you don't like our Facebook page, why not? You need to go onto Facebook, just search for GPS training, and don't forget when you find our Facebook page to like it. So without further ado, let's get on with today's podcast. It's our 13th podcast. Hopefully it will not be an unlucky one. In today's podcast, we're going to look at the following. We talk over the big news over the past few weeks from Garmin, the launch of the long-awaited Garmin GPS Map 66X. S rather. We have an interview with Mark from the Brecon Beacons Mountain Rescue, and as I say I recorded that a few uh, weeks ago. We have Andy's top tips, both Garmin and SatMap. And then finally, we have another GPS training podcast competition. This time it's for SatMap users. So the first thing is we're going to look at the Garmin GPS Map 66S at last. So last week, Garmin announced a launch date the 15th of October for the long-awaited update of the GPS map 64S. I had my hands on a pre-production model back in July and we have uh, two days um, with the uh, GPS map 66S at the end of this month. So we'll be able to give you a full review on that in our next podcast. But before that, Andy, I know you spent a little bit of time looking at the difference between the 64S, which is the previous model, and the 66, and what are the main features that you think we're going to see the difference in? Yeah, so what we've seen with the new 66s on paper looks really good obviously we haven't or i haven't had my hands on one yet first thing we've noticed it's got a slightly larger screen than the 64 so three inch diagonal screen compared to the 2.6 so just a little bit bigger and higher pixels 200 times 400 pixels the 64 was always known as a very tough and rugged unit I've just noticed that the 66, I hadn't noticed this when I first looked at the spec, it's actually been tested to a military standard called MIL STD 810, right. which is basically the American military. Okay. Uh, they have a stringent set of tests that they put equipment through. If anyone looked on Wikipedia, MIL STD 810G, there's about 30 tests. Mm -hmm. And it's all they do with weather, humidity, shock resistance, yeah. the GPS being dropped on concrete, that yeah. sort of stuff. So very tough unit. That's 64 and, and then now the 66. It's always been promoted that as the rugged outdoor GPS unit because it's got buttons on it, hasn't it? Yeah, really? so very tough unit. So it's still a tough unit, but I like the fact it's got that military standard testing now. Something we've only seen in Garmin watches, um, the launch of the new Phoenix 5 Plus watches, is the ability now to pick up the Galileo satellite system. Right, brilliant. So that's, last. again... It just means f for us as users, more satellites in the sky means quicker fix and potentially a more accurate fix. And there's a lot more of the European Galileo satellites up there now. So. Right, fantastic. So we're going to use the American, the Russian, and now also the Galileo. And also the Galileo. Fantastic. So that's the first handheld unit we've now got from Garmin with mm -hmm. Galileo. Free access to satellite imagery. This is something some users may already be familiar with for some of the other Garmin units where you get free for a year the ability to download satellite images and then you have to pay a subscription okay, after yeah. that. Mm -hmm. It's now free with the 66. Okay. But the other thing I noted, again, we haven't tested this yet, it says you can put the images onto the unit using Wi-Fi without having to plug in right. to a computer. So I'm assuming you'll be at the select an area of mapping on your unit 
and draw around an area and say, I want satellite imagery for yeah. this area, and it will come from the Garmin server. And we should be, you know, well, you'd be able to toggle between that and the Ordnance Survey mapping, yeah. surely, wouldn't you? So it'd be so quite get, a nice overview. To but have it's that, free. Yeah. Some people like to see a bit of satellite imagery, and if it's free, why not, you know? Fantastic. Um, some features that we see on the Oregon 700 series that we've not seen on this, on we don't get on the older push-button unit. They've now got the live weather updates. Yeah. Um, when paired with a compatible smartphone. So you now pair the MAP66 like we pair an Oregon 700 series to your smartphone and you'll see like the weather radar and weather updates as long as your mobile phone's got a um, mobile internet connection, that information will appear on the it map does, screen. It does cache it on the, on the Oregon, it caches it, doesn't it? So you get the weather, um, the logos of like no rain and clouds. So if you lose your mobile phone signal, you can actually look at it. Yeah, that's those. a good point. So you, you, you sync the data before you go on your trip and then it's saved on your yeah. 66 and it doesn't matter. Then if it's not yeah, so it doesn't update, but again, you know, if it's an hour or two old, it's not the end of the world, is yeah. it? So geocaching. Um, I'm sure the geocachers are going to love this. Oregon 700 series, we already have live geocaching. Right. The 66s now has the ability to download geocaches live. When you're out in the field, you can pair the unit with the Wi-Fi hotspot on your mobile phone or Bluetooth connection with the mobile connect app called Garmin Connect, and you can download geocaches live to the unit without the need to plug it into a computer using the geocaching That's going to be really, really interesting, because actually in the past, all the geocache went to the Oregon 7750 because this speech, you know, if somebody rang up and said, I want to go geocaching, they always bought that unit. But now there's another unit in there that's yep. comparable. And, so um, I think that's a nice feature, yeah. live geocaching. Mm -hmm. um, something we don't know a lot about yet till we test the unit. I noticed in the spec there's something called expedition mode, which it advises you'll get a week of GPS tracking. I have a feeling that would be like some of the modes we have on the Phoenix watches where you can see you don't want it to track a GPS signal every second and you make it every five seconds or, or even longer and it really extends the battery life of the unit. So there's this new feature called expedition mode that we'll have to try and test. Um, so that's great. Um, those of you familiar with the Garmin InReach Emergency Communicator that we sell, we've done a lot of podcasts on, you can pair the MAP66S now with the InReach Emergency Communicator. The idea being the communicator, the little, say, InReach Mini. This mm -hmm. is the InReach Mini, sorry. So the InReach Mini communicator could be on the top of your rucksack or strapped to your rucksack, and it's the 66 you've got in your hand for navigation. If anyone tries to send you a message via the InReach, this is the communicator that doesn't yeah. need mobile connection. Yeah. You'll see that message on the screen of the 66. Brilliant. And until we test it, I'll not be 100%, but I'm pretty sure you'll be able to send SOS messages and instigate messages from the 66 in your hand via the InReach device using the mobile, uh, sorry, not the mobile, the satellite, military satellite network yeah. on the InReach. That's very good. So that'll be interesting to try and test as we use the InReaches. Yeah. Next one, God, there's a lot of differences, lot isn't of, there? Yeah, yeah. Um, Wikilock app. If anyone's familiar, there's a great app out there called Wikilock. It's a very small subscription um, if you're using it already. But what Garmin have done is with the 66, they've put that on for free. So, uh, sorry, it's preloaded. So we're assuming, again, we'll do some more on this when we test the unit. If the way they're wording it in the spec is that it's free. It's preloaded. What is this app? If you're not using a computer with your GPS device, it means if you've got this Wikilock app on, say, an iPad or a um, mobile phone, you can search for routes in an area you're walking in and transfer them to a GPS device. We use it on the Oregon 700 mm -hmm. series successfully. But there's that, I mean, to be honest, the subscription, if you do have to pay, it's something silly like £4 a year or £5 a year. Right. It's not a lot. But they've preloaded this app called Wikilock on the 66, yeah. so you'll be able to wirelessly import 
not uh, routes that you've necessarily created, but ones you find on the internet or download directly from their app. Fantastic. Um, I mentioned mobile, uh, Garmin Connect app earlier about getting geocaches. Um, there's a there's an app that Garmin do called Garmin Connect where you can sync activities after you've done them, like your your cycle rides, your walks, and see that information straight away. Share it on multimedia, etc. So this will actually sync directly with the Garmin Connect app. A lot of that technology come from the the rich based products, or the watch based products, or the wrist based yeah. products rather. Yeah. Hasn't it? So that's now coming onto the outdoor GPS as yeah, well. So that's fantastic. good. And I mean, last couple of things I noticed it's got a built in flashlight SOS yeah. beacon, so you can hold it up in the air if something's happening and let the flashlight flash so maybe you know if you have come across someone who's had an accident and you've got in touch uh, with um i suppose mountain rescue or someone using mm-hmm. the in-reach device would yeah. be an ideal situation yeah. you could then be holding up that beacon with yeah. the sos to show where you are so That's it's got it. that built in something the, the final thing i'm going to mention we don't know a lot about yet but we've noticed there's a new app on its way from garmin called the explore app We'll talk about that more in future podcasts. Yeah. And the 66 is the only unit I can see at the minute that's going to directly work with this new mobile app for planning routes on a mobile It's what people have been asking device. for, isn't it, to plan routes and things mm-hmm. on a tablet yeah. and a, a mobile phone. So, again, this Explore app, as we say, we've not even it's seen it It's not available yet. yet, but it's coming. So mm-hmm. that'll be a new feature of the 66. So lots of new things on there. Um, I suppose we're comparing it to the 64, but there's some new things in there that we haven't got on any unit, yeah. you know, like the, um, the satellite imagery for free and sit and getting it via wi-fi Never and if you've not seen a picture it does look very different it looks a lot more modern doesn't it? it's a lot square in the way it is i think it's quite stylish the pre-production model i saw was actually all, all it was all different colors and buttons weren't working but that's the way it was but i think it looks really quite smart as well doesn't it and the things people liked about the 64 are still there i.e rugged push button you know people who don't want a touch screen unit and still got that quad helix aerial sticking out the top which does help with that quick satellite fix so they've kept the things that people like and just added a lot of new features that's fantastic so we've actually got two days with this at the end of the month um so we're actually going to do some we're going to do some recording for the next podcast um so pre-launch this is going to be of the unit so we've actually got gone coming up and uh we're not allowed to. Uh, we're not allowed to be left on our own with it. Apparently, Andy. Top secret. Just in case you take the back of it or something. I don't know why. So we'll do some recording for the podcast there, and we'll stream that live on Facebook. So do have a look at our Facebook page, and you'll see that coming at the end of the month. So we're we're very excited. I say there's some really good features there. And thanks, Andy, for going through those with him. Now, what we're doing at GPS training, we're doing a VIP sign up. So if you want to be kept up to date with everything as we approach the launch of the GPS Map 66S, you can sign up to become a VIP. I must stress it's completely free. And what do you get for being a VIP as we approach the launch of being at the launch of the GPS Map 66X? You get the option to trade in your old units. So if you've got an old GPS unit, if you email us the details of that, we'll actually give you a price uh, today uh, for that trade, and we'll honour that price right up to the launch date. We'll email you and keep you up to date with the uh, the launch date as more information comes available. Because as we all know, Garmin are very good at missing their launch dates, aren't they? Um, so you'll get your unit posted out on the day that it comes with us. So on the day it comes, we'll post that out the same day. So you'll be some of the first people to get the GPS map 66S. And on launch day, we're going to do a free uh, live stream for these VIP members, which will be the unboxing as the GPS arrives with us. So on the day it arrives, I need to do a live unboxing. We'll stream that live to the VIP members so you can see what, what it's all about, what you're going to get. 
We're also going to do a unit specific webinar. So, you know, when you buy a GPS unit from ourselves, you get a free webinar. Well, the VIP people will get a unit specific webinar solely on the 66S. And then for the first four weeks, of the unit as we get to grips with it we're going to do an extra weekly support top tips newsletter solely on the gps map 66s so in the first four weeks you get an extra newsletter as well as our friday newsletter and that's just going to have top tips as we get to grips with it because it takes us about a month to get everything together before we can put videos get the online so as andy's discovering and comes across things we're good and he's going to do a quick um top tips as he's discovering it so you get your new unit you'll learn as we as we're learning i suppose it. if we do some new videos there and then we can send people live links to those videos Ex that no one else will be able to see because they won't be on the online resource until that completes so, yeah, so yeah so that's what we're going to do so if you are interested in knowing more about the gps maps uh, map 66s from garmin please do sign up to be a vip member so how do we do this if you just go to our website which is gpstrading.co.uk and click on news and then click on the launch of the new Garmin GPS map 66s and in there you'll actually see a link to be sign up to be a VIP member so again just um, go to the new section on our website you'll see an article that was um, about the the new, new launch of the Garmin GPS map 66s and right at the top of there you'll see a link of how you sign up to be a VIP member and uh, just put your email address in there and uh, we'll keep you updated with exactly what we just said. The next thing we've got on the GPS Training Podcast this month, we have a special guest, with is Mark Ashton. Mark Ashton is uh, from the Mountain Rescue Team. Which team are you from, Mark? So I'm in Central Beacons Mountain Rescue Team, which is based down in South Wales. Fantastic. And what's your role within that team? Uh, I'm Equipment Officer. Okay. So, ooh, kit, we like kit. Yeah, GPS yeah. Podcast. <laughs> That's perfect. So which areas do you cover um, in that in So that there, are, there are four teams that cover South Wales. Okay. Um, Central team are based in Merthyr Tydfil, and we cover from the south side of Pennyfan all the way down to the coast at Cardiff. Right. Um, an area of just over 800 square miles. Okay. So fairly chunky. And what height does that go up to then? Um, well, Pennyfan highest point in South Wales. Okay. So 863 meters. Oh, so. we're in feet. What's that in feet? Come oh, on. it's over 2,000. <laughs> so it's glass of the main So it's a mountain then. That's yeah, yeah. the main thing. Yeah. So it's sim similar to what we have in Northumberland then, because the Cheviot here in Northumberland is just over 2,000. Yeah, feet, yeah. So it'd be similar area yeah. there. And quite harsh. I've never walked much in, I'm it, it, in it, North it, Wales, but not South Wales. The weather can be quite challenging at times. Right. The terrain tends to be high rolling moorland. Okay. There are, we've got some steep sides, but the weather tends to be the, the biggest effect. Brilliant. So give me a quick insight into the team. Uh, exactly what do you do? Uh, of course, you can rescue people. What other things do you do within uh, mountain rescue? Really, as a whole? So mountain rescue uses strap line so much more than mountains. Okay. Um, we're a specialist search team. Mm -hmm. So we do huge amounts of training on searching for missing and vulnerable people. Um, technical rescues. We'll go for animal rescues of dogs that are stuck down holes that have, yeah. have run away from owners. Um, so it's really, really diverse. One day we can be in the middle of the mountains. Another mm -hmm. day we could be searching for a missing person from okay. a hospital in Cardiff, for example. And you always called out by the police or did you get direct calls from we the We tend to be called by the police. Things are changing slightly now, so we'll get calls from the ambulance service okay. who um, can't get access to somewhere or they need help over a ter terrain. Air ambulance will call us again if they can land on but don't have the ability to winch, so right. they need people on the ground to help move things, carry things, um, would be called for by the fire service. So 
around Lancashire recently. We've had the fires, yes, so a lot of, of teams have been mm-hmm. working in collaboration with the fire service. So it's it's volunteers. And I suppose once out. you get to the coast, is Coast Guards taking over that point? Yeah, yeah, completely. So well, the Coast Guard cover alongside them, will you? Do, do um, s- sometimes the Coast Guard tend to cover all the cliff work, okay. and then they'll then they'll work with the R and L. All right, fantastic. So it's quite a broad range uh, of what you do there. So, um, so what percentage is it rescuing walkers? Because I know it, we do think mountain rescue as you no hundred percent of the time. Is what percentage of your call outs will involve the walker the, that are... the bulk of it is in the mountains? Right. I'd say probably sixty five to seventy percent. Right. Um, but that thirty percent where we are doing urban, they tend to be much longer duration okay. because when we're in the mountains, um, often it slips, trips, and falls. So we'll yeah. know exactly where the person yeah, is, yeah. and we're just going to help um, get them. get them off the hill down to a county ambulance, whereas the urban parts we do tend to be much longer processes because we're right. looking for missing people. Fantastic. So then moving on to the outdoor GPS unit, what GPS units do your team use and, and kind of how, how do they work um, as, as part of that team? How do you slot in? As such? So things have evolved massively as, as GPS has changed. So um, we use a whole bunch of units. So if you go back when GPS first started to become commercially available, most people would use a, a Garmin E-Track yeah, or things like that. Yeah, 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 which has been around since day dot. Um, and then SatMap revolutioned it by putting maps on the screen. So we now see a migration. Most of our team will use SatMaps, or yeah. now we're moving into risk-mounted where yeah. technical wearables will give you good references and yeah. things like that. The important thing is when you join a team, um, you do nine months of training where you're not allowed to use GPS okay, at right. all because if something goes wrong, yeah. which it, let's be open, it can do, yeah. you need that ability to be able to map and compass. So once you've done nine months of training, you have a weekend assessment. Right. Once you've passed all that, then you can start using electronics. So it's quite a long training period, really, that nine months before you... Yeah. Is that when your class is at a full member once you've been through that induction? Uh, yeah, but, yeah, so you do nine months training, then you do have a, an assessment weekend. And then for our team, you become a probationary bit member for two years, right. where there's still an awful lot more learning to do because um, some people will come from scratch who are just their walkers and enjoy the hills yeah. and don't do the technical side or maybe do the technical side and don't do the walking side. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's integrating into the team so they know how we work, what we do on a call out. Mm-hmm. So everything is completely seamless. And you're all volunteers as well, aren't you? Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah. So many, we've all got full-time jobs. How many members are in the team then? So in our team, we've got just over 50. Okay. Um, which sounds an awful lot, yeah. but you've got to respect that if we get a call out, so today is Wednesday lunchtime, yeah. if we got a call now, most, most people are at work. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm, I'm 400 miles away, there's no chance I'm going to get there. So you may get a dozen people yeah. yet on a weekend, if it's a Saturday or Sunday, mm-hmm. You get an awful lot more mm-hmm. people, so you, you need that broadness. Of so when you team. put a call out, does every who's available come in, or yeah, is so it limited to the first so ten people? Or something? No, every, everybody's on call right. twenty four hours a day, seven mm-hmm. days a week, and if you're available to respond, you'll you'll go. Right. Okay. And you can never have not enough. You never have people. Yeah. Where are your, where are your vehicles based? Um, so we're based currently at Merthyr Fire Station. Right. Okay. Um, we have our own base in Dialyse. Uh, which is an area of Merthyr. Mm-hmm. But last year we had a quite a devastating fire that destroyed our base 
and all our vehicles and all our kit. Oh, so South Wales Fire and Rescue Service have been great. They've cleared the top floor of their, the fire station. We're currently using that right. and vehicle compound now. Is that a link your way out of the fire? I thought you'd move into the fire station and then you... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got after the night of the fire, we got a phone call from the fire service <laughs> saying, can we help? And we said, well, we need somewhere to locate. And they just came out to say, yeah, we'll find you somewhere. Really? And and how, many, how many vehicles do you have then? Um, three, normally. Land Rovers? Uh, yeah, normally two Land Rovers and a, a control vehicle, which okay. is a truck with all our electro- electronics in it. Fantastic. And the kit's loading there all the time, is it in the back of the vehicles, ready to go? So yeah. as soon as you're calling, you're, you're away as quickly yeah, as possible. Yeah, you're straight out the door. So how quickly after the call, I suppose when you get enough people there, the vehicles leave, because if you're all volunteers, you know, once the call goes out, you all go to the fire station and get, so the vehicles go when there's enough volunteers it, when there's en- When there's enough people, yeah. Right. I mean, it's... It, It'd be pointless the first person getting there and exactly. taking a vehicle because you get there and don't have any troops on the ground. Yeah. Um, so from call to responding, it can be very, very quick. Right. Um, you know, talking 10 minutes to be out on the road. Fantastic. And then we'll, we'll drive to the nearest road access to where we need to get to. Uh-huh. Sometimes it can be a, bit, a little bit more drawn out than that because right. there's an awful lot of information gathering that we need to do to make sure we go to the right place to start with. Yeah. And then, well, then it, if volunteers come later on, they may go straight to the... Oh, yeah, the yeah, place. completely. I mean, uh, the, the, our volunteer base isn't all based in Merthyr Tidville, right. so they're, they're, they're spread around. So, for example, we've got a lot of guys that live down in Cardiff, okay. and it'll take us half an hour to get to Merthyr Tidville yeah. before we get on a vehicle. Right. So the guys that live down in Cardiff tend to go direct to the RV because they know the vehicles will have probably left base yeah. by the time they get there. Okay. And then going back to the control, so you'll then have this control trailer there which manages the, the instance. Yeah, so our control truck has the facilities for um, hot drinks and hot food, but also that's where all our search planning goes on. Right. So we have instant controllers who tend to have been the longest serving team members and the most experienced and an awful lot of knowledge will be sat with if you go back a number of years pens paper and os maps things have now moved on so we've we've now got laptops and digital software and um mapping software we we do it electronically and that's where the gps starts to come into it because rather than drawing a a pit area on a map yeah. I want you to go and have a look there okay, right. we'll do that but also the ability to, to download it to a device okay and then when you come back you can then upload it to the computer and see exactly where the people have walked and for search and rescue that is fundamental really because you need to know you're in the right place oh completely um, where actually you know even just a few hundred yards could be yeah yeah really so when we get back to the control vehicle one of the biggest things that you get asked is how well do you think you've searched that area okay and it used, it used to give it as a percentage if you can download it yeah. and see a breadcrumb trail of exactly where you've been yeah, yeah, yeah. you could say oh you know we've missed that area yes okay we couldn't get in there because there's dense brambles right or there's something that's impassable yeah. and then we'll log that yeah and then as the search goes on all those areas get added up do we need to revisit that can it be overflown by a helicopter mm-hmm. can we put a search dog into it mm-hmm. so yeah and do you do any tracking of the volunteers itself i know in north there's a little bit of work on tracking i don't know spots yeah so we like. use we use spot trackers that right. go out with each party okay. and that will communicate up to the satellites send the satellite signal back to a, a receiver within our our control truck yeah. if um, people don't know just sorry interrupt yeah, people don't know what the spot is the spot's a little orange 
plat. I want to say plat. <laughs> that you put on your rucksack, yeah, yeah. and it and it links to the different satellites that our GPS is used to. It's the communication satellites, and then control in your case will be able to see exactly where you where are, where people on, are, live live on the ground. And also, you can send messages. Um, yes, yeah, so there are programmable buttons on it. So one of the issues we do face is radio communications yeah, yeah. because people, if you're driving along in your car, you you take your dab radio for granted because there are aerials everywhere um the radios that we use do get affected by forestry okay um and if there's if we're in valleys and you've gone over the other side of a, a mountain yeah. top yeah you will is this, lose a, comms. is this the same as the police comms same communication network that police yes, use or not really is not it? quite there okay. yet we're, we're starting to move into the di- di- digital world now but right. we're still using analog radios okay currently but with the spot tracker, yes, there are programmable, bu- bu- programmable buttons. Mm-hmm. So if we find, get to a location and we can't get radio comms, there's a button on it we can push okay. that goes straight to the control chart to say we found something. Brilliant. And instantly you log that yep. that position, okay. wait for a second call, and then move people mm-hmm. to that location to help. The great thing about the spots is the battery life on them is phenomenal. Oh, it's amazing. It? They just... They just sit in the truck and you just grab one before you go. Yeah, and, yeah. on the switch on the yeah, they, track and yeah, you can they see. last for over a year, which is just astonishing. They are, they're amazing. We've used them a little bit in one of our other business, Shepherd's Walks Holidays. We never used to let lone walkers go on, just in case they fell over and other thing. But now we, we give them a spot tracker. Well, spot onto and spot then, trackers you can buy as an individual as well. Yeah. So, you know, lots of Duke of Edinburgh groups walk with them. Yeah. So you don't have to be an organisation to have one. Yeah. You can use one as a as a backup because yeah. they've also got SOS buttons on it, exactly right, yeah. which uh, communicate to the US and then the US come back to the UK. And have you had any? I'm kind of moving totally away from it, but have you had any of uh, those instances where people have used the SOS? I know locally in the Lake District there was a news article on the local television where somebody used an SOS button on. They didn't say what device it was, and it had been communicated back from America. Have you had anything? We've like had that? one from a from a Duke of Edinburgh group, but, right? Okay. Um, Around Facebook, we have private sites where all the MR members okay. all, all chat. And yeah, there are more and more mm-hmm. appearing around the country as technology moves on. So does that that communication um, centre in America, does that literally ring up the equivalent to 999 in this yeah. country? Is that the way it is? And then they would yeah, contact the police and compl- the police and then contact the... The, the relevant team. Fantastic. Oh, it's, it's great how technology do it. So, very much technology. You do work along the rescue helicopters, um, um, and now um, it's changed, hasn't it? Because we used to use the RAF. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we used to have the big yellow taxi in the sky, as we called it. Um, Where did your local one used to fly from? Uh, used to fly from Chivler in North Devon. Okay. Um, so it's not all that far across the... Uh, well, you'd be surprised. We didn't think it was far until the until Bristow's came on board. Right. So Chivano, it used to take us, it used to take them about forty to fifty minutes to get to us. Okay. Before they started to do anything at all. Right. We now use uh, Bristow's, which is the private contractor, yeah. which is the red and white Coast Guard helicopters yeah, yeah. you'll see around. They're now based in Cardiff and can be with us in as fast as fifteen minutes. Wow, that's made a big difference then. Oh it? yeah, yeah. Because I know initially there was a little bit like, oh, speaking to friends and things about they go, oh, this is a complete change. But you, you sound quite positive about the change well, for the it, best or, or not. I think everybody doubts change. Yeah. And I think if anybody in MR didn't doubt the change, it, it, everybody's like, we used to rely on the RAF so much, yes. and they used to come out to all sorts yeah. in some pretty horrendous weather. Um, and they were they were just ultra reliable. And were were we going to get that same service? Yes. And the answer is yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and, a, and a lot of the current pilots are the XRAF guys. Ah, right. Okay. So lots of the guys that are now based in Cardiff 
used to work at Chibnus. They, right, okay. We know them, they know us. Fantastic. So they know what, what, what's needed from them. Oh, yeah, completely. Have you been involved in any instance that, and, well, I suppose you've done a lot of training with the helicopters that have needed airlift. Have you done been involved in many instances with that? A lot. Right. Um, I mean, if, if an injury is that severe that we need a helicopter, the call's put in really, really quickly. Okay. Um, because if you, if you see a mountain rescue team in a picture or on TV or on the news carrying somebody, it, it's made to look easy because yes. there's lots of people. Um, it's very difficult. Yeah. It saps an awful lot of energy and you yeah. need a lot of people. Right. And it's it's quite slow progress. I suppose you stagger, you carry for so long and then swap off. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of rotation. Right, okay. Um, and we don't have the benefit of a flat pavement to yeah, walk across. So if we can get a helicopter in to do a winch, it makes things a lot easier for us. Yeah. A lot, lot more comfortable for the casualty. Yeah. And they'll transport them straight to hospital. Exactly right. So far, far, far quicker. Because I suppose if you're carrying off, you then still have to an ambulance at the road yeah, to, yeah, to whisk yeah. them off. So there's the resources there also. Yeah, yeah, things. completely. So uh, yeah, because we always see those pictures of mountain rescue with helicopters in the background. And I know when it went to this private company, there was a lot of issues. Oh, well, are they going to be to support us? But well, it sounds a bit they're doing a good job. They're doing a great job. Fantastic. Yeah, really, really good, good job. So when we stick with the helicopter, when we use the helicopter, do we do we use British National Grid? Do you give them a grid reference or Latin Long? How do you communicate? You with could these? give them almost anything right. because they have a navigator within the helicopter, and again, they have software which will convert. So we'll give them an OS grid reference. Yeah. They'll happily work with an OS grid reference. If they needed to convert it to a, a lat long, yeah. they can do. Yeah. Um, if they wanted a lat long straight off, some GPS devices will convert OS into lat long for okay. you. But OS is far easier to use because it's a lot less numbers to work with. That's right, yeah. And then kind of moving on with the OS and, and, and grid references, if somebody does ring up Mountain Rescue with an instant, you would be expecting a grid reference from them, would you? It's nice. Um, <laughs> It's not always forthcoming. Right. Um, so, again, as technology has moved along, people use smartphones so much yep. more now. We have access to software which isn't available in the public domain, yep. um, which will track where somebody is. Yeah. And what, what it will do is if you've got a smartphone, we'll send a text message to you and it'll have a little link. And firstly, it'll tell you who it is that's contacting yeah. you. Yeah. And it'll say, hi, this is Mountain Rescue or Search and Rescue. We're trying to locate you. And please click on the link below. Yes. So it needs to be interactive with the person. So okay. we can't just watch where people are. Right. When you click on the link, it then sends us a 10-figure grid reference okay. in exactly where you are. Fantastic. Then the most important thing is don't move. Yes. Um, if you if you ever have to call the rescue team... Um, call the rescue and, team and stay put. And use that. Don't move. Yeah. Just trust us. We'll be there as fast as we can. As long as you don't move, it makes things. It's nothing worse than someone who knows better and says, "Oh, we'll make my own way down." Even though there's yeah, we we, we get to the point they've given us and they're not there. Yeah. So you start the process all over again. Right. Okay. But then there's the negative side of the mobile phone, where actually um, people are navigating with mobile phones using Google Maps and this kind of thing, rather than an ordinary survey map. Yeah. And does that have you had a lot more call ups from people not taking a paper map with them, not taking a purpose built GPS? Unit? I think things have changed. So initially, when smartphones came out and you could get, get Google Maps, people yeah. didn't realize you need a cellular network yeah. for it to work. And as soon as they lose cellular network, the map may disappear. Yeah. Um, battery life is the biggest one mm -hmm. and durability mm -hmm. so is, is it waterproof probably not if you drop it mm -hmm. certainly the amount of smart screens you see with smash yeah. uh, smartphones with smash screens I've got a son don't worry I have about a number of times replaced screens oh, on yeah, yeah. Like, oh, um, it's just respecting the limitations yeah. so it, if you are relying on electronics you're much better off doing it separately to your phone because 
if the battery runs out on your phone, you can't contact it. Yeah, and just from what you said earlier on, it's actually, if, if you potentially can locate someone by using their mobile phone, the last thing you want is that mobile phone to be a flat because yeah. they've been looking at the maps all day long. You kind of want it to be working and actually got another few hours of battery life because it well, might be that before you. It also gives the, the person that we're looking for reassurance that we are on the way. Yeah. Because we can communicate with the party on the hill of how far away are they, yeah. and then if you've got mobile phone reception, we can phone and say, you know, we're going to be half an hour, twenty minutes, fifteen minutes, and it's just about that peace of mind that somebody is coming. Brilliant. So, I also think about phones is, are you getting a lot more call outs? I know we're kind of looking a long way back. We've done, done what we had before mobile phones because in the olden days you'd have to go down to the red box in the valley and, yeah, yeah. and, and locate that and ring up. I'm here, and my casualty is six miles away at this location. Well, now people are climbing to hilltops, getting a mobile phone signal if they're in the valley, and then ringing up. Are you getting a lot more calls? I don't think it's driven by mobile phones. Um, we are getting more calls. So last year we had just over 140 calls, which was a record year. The year wow. before that we had 100 and over 120, which again was a record year. Then I think more people are going out in the hills. Yeah, this is good. Um, which is, is really, really good. Mm -hmm. And with more people on the ground, you are going to get more slips and mm -hmm. trips and and general accident. And I suppose the awareness of you no know, mountain rescues, you know, we see a lot more in the press about it and this kind of thing. So no, you, completely. people are there aware that it's yeah, yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah. And, and how and you do quite a good job or, or mountain rescues as a whole do a gauge you communicating with the general public with well, social media. A lot of it is education. So we'll go and see army cadets and yeah. scouts and visit school groups and DV groups and explain what we do and safety in the hills and yeah. um, just making people aware. Brilliant. So thinking of safety in the hills Come on, give us some top tips. We love top tips on the GP Train podcast. You, said. We love top, you normally have Andy's top tips. Andy's away on holiday, so we've got you. We're going to have Mark's top okay. tips for um, so my, walking in the hills. My top tips. I always get Safety. worried when mountain rescue do. Well, certainly I do top tips because people think we're the hill police. Um, we're certainly not. My, my big top tip is make sure you get out there and enjoy it. Don't yeah. let things get in your way that you, you're worried about. Yeah. Um, have a quick check of weather before you go because yeah. the weather will change and can change really, really quickly. Yeah. Take the appropriate clothing, so make sure you've got a waterproof jacket, even if it's sunny when you get out of the car. Right. As you go up the mountain, you don't know what it's gonna do. Be prepared. And now we're moving into September, October. The thing that catches people out now is how quickly it gets dark. Yes. So always take a torch. Right, okay. Torch is the key thing. And batteries. And batteries. <laughs> <laughs> Spare batteries as well. So it is, it is that thing, actually. You know, we do challenge walks at Shepherd's Walks, and we always say, a, a tour, you know, take a torch with you. We've got a kilo challenge walk a week on Saturday. And, you know, and the number of people who, like, we need a torch with us. Well, yeah, you're doing a 26-mile challenge walk, and it is September. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, as you say, it soon turns dark, doesn't it? It's yeah, yeah. And, and especially if people are new to the hills around the cities and towns, you have so much ambient light yeah. that, that at 8 o'clock, it's, it's not dark. Whereas yeah. in the mountains, 8 o'clock, yeah. you're in total pitch darkness and can't see anything. That's brilliant. Brilliant. So that's been absolutely fantastic. That's been really good insight a little bit into uh, into the Mountain Rescue team. So thank you very much, Mark, for joining me on the GPS Training Podcast. Um, I know you guys do a great job and um, you're all volunteers. If anybody would like to make a donation to Mountain Rescue team, how do they go about that? Um, so most teams have got their own Facebook page. Okay. So if you want to find our page, it's Central Beacons Mountain Rescue team on yep. Facebook. And on there, there's a link to a Just Give In site, Brilliant. which is, you know, anything is great for received. And you also do wills and this kind of thing, don't you? You kind of, like, you know, people can leave money to you in Candy, wills yeah, and yeah. this kind of thing, yep. can't they? So it's a very good thing. I know uh, we actually give, um, as, a, as a business, we have to give a donation to our local mountain rescue Perfect. team. I think it's, because uh, again, 
no, we we make our living out of walkers, so actually, uh, the other walkers insurance policy. Yeah, so yeah. actually, we kind of do that as a behalf firm. So, brilliant! Thank you so much, Mark, for joining me on the uh, GPS Chain podcast. And as I say, if anybody's got any feedback or any questions, just drop us an email, and um, I'm sure Mark will help us answer any of those. Yeah, yeah, completely. Thank you very much. Cheers. Next thing on the podcast this month is Andy's top tips. So Andy, we've got a SatMap and Garmin top tip. What's your SatMap top tip for this yeah. month? Well, both of the tips are, are very much uh, linked together for both units. It's that time of year. We're getting a little bit colder weather starting to come. And as we all know, colder weather can affect battery life on our handheld GPS devices. So the tips are very much power and battery related. So I'll start with the SatMap tip first. In the SatMap Active 12 and Active 20 units, they come with their own built-in LiPo batteries, which are great batteries. Active 20 is a really big 5,000 milliamp hour battery. Mm -hmm. But a lot of customers like the fact that we, um, we, we have an extra battery you can buy, but we've been selling a lot of the emergency battery packs, which is a little battery pack. Those of you on Facebook will be able to see me holding this up. That slides in place of the LiPo battery in the unit. Also, the Active 12 has a similar device that you clip in. Uh, yep. with a cable now with this device we always recommend this emergency battery pack for the sat map units yep. you use lithium batteries okay. over alkaline or nimh rechargeable and they just throw away batteries just throw away lithium lithium mm -hmm. tend to perform better in colder weather yep. remember this is an emergency backup so if you've bought from us or you're interested in buying the active 20 emergency battery cradle or you've already got a unit with it or the, the sat map active 12 one thing that often gets missed when you take out your LiPol battery and put this battery in, mm -hmm. your unit has a setting in it under the advanced power control settings where it's set to say that it's got a LiPol battery. Okay. You have to go into that setting. So this is in your setup, advanced power control settings, and where you see battery type, you change that setting from the LiPol battery to the AA choice. Okay. You get a couple of options of ones to choose from. Again, we do recommend you use lithium battery, so you make sure you set, if you are using lithium, you set that setting to AA lithium. And then just remember when you take your batteries, your emergency pack back out and put the LiPol battery back in, you go back into that advanced power setting right. and change it back to LiPol. Fantastic, so, so that's the top tip for the SatMap people. Garmin. Garmin units then. So Garmin, um, various units, some come with their own battery, some don't. Um, the Garmin Montana unit and the Oregon 750 camera units come with their own Garmin rechargeable batteries. Brilliant. Now, in the Garmin settings, so in the setup and system on your Garmin, if you're using the Garmin battery, you won't be familiar with an AA battery setting because it's hidden. Using the Garmin Emerge, sorry, the Garmin Montana rechargeable battery or the Garmin AA battery pack. But this time of year, if you're looking for better batteries, I mean, one of the batteries that we often recommend to customers, um, it, I'm holding up for Facebook now, is the Eneloop yeah. Pro AA batteries, which perform very like an AA battery, yes. sorry, very like a lithium battery, battery in the winter, but they're rechargeable and you get a charger with them. So if you're using something like that or you're putting in lithium batteries, you've got to remember on your Garmin unit, the same as we mentioned on the sat map, just a different setting you go into setup and system on your Garmin mm -hmm. and you make sure the AA battery type matches the type you're using. Yeah. The one that catches customers out often is you have the choice of alkaline, yeah. throwaway alkaline, lithium, but under the NIMH for rechargeable, there's two options, 
NIMH or NIMH pre-charge and I get lots of calls about that mm -hmm. there's new batteries on the market called pre-charge batteries we've got energizer ones that we stock in the shop again mm -hmm. holding up for Facebook they actually tell you on the packet that the pre-charge yeah. type it just means that when you get them out of the packet they've already got charging yeah. and what you find pre-charge ones are better as in when you've used them and charged them again, they'll hold the charge a lot longer when they're not being used. Brilliant. So you just make sure you select the NIMH pre-charged. Good stuff. So that's brilliant. So that's your SatMap and Garmin, which are both battery related as we're going into winter. So next thing is the GPS training podcast competition last month. We had our first ever GPS training podcast competition where you had the option to, or the chance to win a Garmin bird's eye voucher, which is a Garmin bird's eye voucher, so you can download 3,000 square kilometers of 1 to 25,000 mapping. So then the question was, in the last month's podcast, at the start of August, I was at a large event with Garmin. What was that event? The answer was Mega, which is a large geocaching event that takes place every year. And I've actually booked in for next year already, so that's it. Thanks to everybody who's already entered this, who, sorry, who entered this competition. We drew the winner just before we started recording, and the winner is Andy Cousin. So actually, it was a bit of a coincidence, but Andy sent us a top tip on last month's um, podcast. So there you are, Andy. That was the reason you There's quite a few people entered, so thank you very much. I've actually already emailed you, Andy, just to get your um, address and um, if you're a Mac or a PC user. So remember, right, I think you're a Mac user, and uh, we'll get that in the post to you later on today. So this, this month's prize is a free case for a SatMap Active 20. So this is our SatMap users. So SatMap Active 20 users, um, your question is, what do SatMap call their map card that includes the audience survey 1 to 10,000, 1 to 25,000, and 1 to 50,000 map sets on the same card? So the question is, what does SatMap call their map cards? That includes the Ordnance Survey 1 to 10,000, 1 to 25,000, 1 to 50,000 map sets on the same cards. If you know the answer, which I hopefully you do, please just email your answer to office at gpstraining.co.uk. Well, that's office at gpstraining.co.uk. Closing date for the competition is the date of our next podcast is the 5th of October. So good luck to everybody who's entering that. And finally, many thanks for listening to the podcast. And if there's anything else you would like us to cover in future podcasts, please do let us know. Give us a call at GPS Training, especially if you're interested in buying a new GPS unit. Please do have a look at both our physical GPS training courses and also our webinars. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk and click on GPS Training Courses. Please do tell a friend about the podcast and about GPS training. Any help you can give us in promoting the business and our podcast is very much appreciated. And don't forget, you can watch us recording the podcast on our Facebook page, which is GPS Training UK, or on our YouTube channel, which is just GPS Training. And don't forget, please, to RSTR podcast, which is rate the podcast on iTunes. It really does help to rank it up iTunes if you do that. Subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on and tell a friend about both GPS training and the GPS training podcast. Please do help spread the word. Many thanks, Andy, for joining me on this, the 13th ever GPS training podcast. Thank you. And have a good week and month ahead of you.